What's up, buddy? Nothing. Ready to go? Yeah. All right, here we go. Well, Matt, who would be back less than 24 hours doing another episode? Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's been, yeah, it's been about 23, 23 hours. Yeah. You know, normally we're doing this mid to late part of the week, so this is incredible. I, yeah. I can't believe this. So, That's hey, awesome. what I wanted to do for this episode, I wanted to do a couple things. Yesterday, I had mentioned to you that I wanted to do the MASL wish list, and you said that you wanted to do awards, so I was thinking maybe we could do both. Okay. So, let's start out with the wish list. So, we'll go back and forth here. Give me one thing that you would like to see in the MASL that's currently not there. Okay. So, put me on the spot here. I am going to say, and I've always thought this, and and I mentioned it in, I think, maybe one of my first episodes of In the Box. I would love to see the return of multi-point scoring. Yeah, we've discussed this at length, and I I completely agree with you. That was going to be on my list as well, but I'm, I'm curious to see what your reasoning for that is, and then I'll give you my reasoning. Well, I, I think after watching, that's what got me hooked to the sport in the first place. Um, the, the fact that they, they have that nice arc that's right out, outside the box, <laughs> you, you kick it behind it, and it's it counts for more points. Like, yeah, yeah. That's what made it so exciting when someone would shoot a three-point shot or kick yeah. a three-point shot you'd put up three fingers in the air and you'd, you'd go crazy and oh i we did we did that for years with the wave i mean we had guys that could could just rocket the ball and it's just i i think i've said this to you numerous amounts of time i think by taking the multi-point scoring away you're taking away a big portion of some of these players' games because a lot of these players, they have rockets for legs. Yep. And and I think I think it adds an extra element of excitement. Uh, I mean... Oh, it does. A, a goal is a goal, yeah, I understand. But a goal that you shoot, like, you have to put a lot of effort into it. You should get rewarded for something like well, and it's interesting you say that because it used to be if you kicked a ball from your own end and it went in the net, it was a three-point goal. Now you do it, it's a one-point goal. And it's like, really? Like, that, to me, that's absurd. It's just, as a matter of fact, I don't even think you can kick it from your own end anymore because I think if you do it, it's considered a three-line violation. Right, I mean, if you're if you're behind or if you're in front of the the yellow line, yep. then yep. So, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, a lot of people say, well, there's no place for it in the sport. Well, if that's the case, why was it there to begin with? To be honest with you, and it's funny because I I agree with you one million percent. I think. MASL 
you know, when we had the multi-point scoring, it's what made us unique because you don't see that in futsal. You don't see that in regular outdoor soccer. The only place you saw that in soccer was Armenia soccer. And then you take it away and it's like, well, okay, we play on turf, we have boards. But really, what else makes us unique besides the smaller size of the field? You know, and that, that's, that's the way I've always thought about it. I completely agree with you. One million percent. I think they need to revisit that. Now, do I think they will? No, I don't. And I think they'll keep it the way it is simply because it it's what works for them. And... You know, I I don't know what the reasoning behind changing the rules were as far as scoring, but I I don't know if you remember a couple years ago, this was the most absurd thing I've ever seen, where it was if you were in one division, it was, okay, you have NPS, but if you're in another division, you have SPS. It was the Eastern Division. Yeah, yep. Well, no, actually, I think it was a completely different league. I think it was if you were part of the MPSL, you had multi-point scoring because I remember the Baltimore Blast going over there for a while. And then they came back to the MISL the following season. It was. I remember this. If you played... In an arena of an Eastern Division opponent, you had multi-point scoring. Yes, that's what it was. Okay. Any yeah. other yeah. any other arena, it was single point. And I remember thinking to myself, what a stupid rule. And you know, again, nothing against nothing against the the league and nothing against the people that work for the league. But it goes back to field sizes, right? When we talk about if it's going to be one way for one team, it's got to be that way for everybody. And and the fact that they said, okay, if you played an Eastern Division team, guess what? You get two points instead of one. But if you're in any other division, guess what? You only get one point. No. That's just not the way it works. Right. And so, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, so I'm, I'm pondering this, and you're going to laugh at me a lot. I know you. We've been doing this for a while now, so I know you're going to laugh at me. Right. But it's something that we implemented during the course of the playoffs last season, right? So I would like to see VAR... Well, not VAR, but replays being used in the MASL to determine goals, no goals, red cards, stuff like that. It's something that I think the MASL really needs to consider. And, you know, it worked throughout the course of the playoffs. Now, if you talk to Baltimore fans, they'll say something completely different because of what happened last year in the playoffs, but I just, I I think it's something that we need to seriously consider. I, you know, I'm not going to laugh. I'm going to agree with you. 
it's needed. I mean, there's, I mean, right now on the MASL off the wall page, there, there's a picture of a guy slide tackling into a goal, and you see the ball yep. kind of sort of going in the net, and it's like, is this a goal or not? Well, we need and, we need some sort of we need some sort of consistency throughout the MASL. Maybe put a camera above the the net. So yeah, if there I, is if there is an issue, they can go back and look at it. No, I I completely agree with you. And one of the perfect examples of needing replay was a game that featured St. Louis, and I cannot for the life of me remember who they were playing. And maybe you saw this game, maybe you didn't, but to me, there was a blatant handball against St. Louis. As a matter of fact, I remember who they were playing. They were playing Kansas City. It was a blatant handball in the box. He goes down, touches the ball, no call. And for those of you that are new to this whole game and you have no idea what that means. So if you touch the ball in the box, it's very similar to outdoor soccer where you get a penalty kick. And to me, it changed the whole outcome of the game because instead of Kansas City having the possibility of scoring, you know, they don't get the call and... St. Louis comes back and scores and ultimately wins the game. And, you know, Mark Linden and I got into it because I'm like, he's like, how can you call that a handball? And I said, because if you look at the photo, it is a handball. And, you know, I had people that agreed with me. I had people that did not agree with me. Mark was mad at me, but it was the heat of the moment type of thing. He was excited that they won the game. And I wasn't, I wasn't bashing St. Louis by any stretch. I was just saying, hey, you know, this, to me, this is as blatant as you can get. And there wasn't a call, and I feel like if you have the replay system, stuff like that doesn't happen. Now, I'm not saying stuff like that would be corrected all the time, because for those of us that watch the Premier League or any other outdoor league, we know that VAR or automatic replays are not foolproof. We know this. So, you know, it is, they're not going to make the right call all the time, but I think it's going to alleviate a lot of what we see during the course of the season. I agree. I, I completely agree with you. And they used, it's funny, they did use, I think, they used replay in MPS because they had to determine if it was whether certain game. goals were two or three points. Yeah, yes, absolutely. But if you remember, it, it was one of those things, you could use replay, but you were not allowed to look at the scoreboard. That was one of the stipulations. You, you were allowed to use the replay. You just were not allowed to look at the scoreboard. Right. So, okay, let me ask you this. And, you know, you and I have talked about this as well. So, I actually, you know what? 
you can go because it's your turn, and then I'll go because okay. I have another, I have another one that I would like to see, and it might even be the same one to be honest. I'm really sick of this whole goalkeeper not being able to like move past. Can the... you can you can you repeat that whole thing? Because your phone went out and I didn't hear a darn thing you said. I'm sorry. Phone did something really weird. Are you good? Yeah. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Um. So this is this is probably something you and I would agree on. I'm really, yeah. really sick of goalkeepers being constricted in what they do behind. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they need to be able to, I think they should be able to go past the yellow line, midfield, whenever they want. Well, and I mean, here's the thing. You know, it's Again, we agree 100%. But it's one of those things that we talk about. Okay, what makes indoor soccer unique? It used to be seeing goalkeepers score was something unique. Because let's face it, you don't see it very often in outdoor soccer. You don't see it very often in hockey. You know, you don't see it in any other sport. But when we had that rule, I mean, a couple of years ago, it's a perfect example, right? When Josh Lamos leads the league for goalkeepers in goals, I think he had like three a couple of seasons ago. And then you, you take away that system and it's like, well, this is just boring. Yep. And quite frankly, if I'm going to be honest, if you're going to have that rule... Why make it the fourth quarter? If you're going to have that rule, don't let them do it at all. Yeah, either let them do it the whole game or don't, don't let, let them, them do, it, do it, at it at all. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we've discussed this at length a lot, too. My thing with the whole letting the goalkeepers come out is you take that away from 90% of these goalkeepers in the league. You're taking away a lot of these teams offenses because they run through the keeper. I mean, I can tell you for a fact that Josh Lemos is a big part of the Milwaukee offense, especially when he was able to come up past uh, midfield. And, you know, here's the thing. A lot of people say, like, if you talk to guys like Michael King, who is somebody that, you know, back when he played, except with the exception of the latter part of his career, that wasn't a rule. Like, keepers genuinely did not come out because they just didn't have the foot skill. And so if you talk to him, he'll tell you uh, a goalkeeper's place is in the goal. But... For me, it's the exact opposite. For me, if if you can add a, an element of offense to our game, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? 
I mean, yeah. it, you 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 want to make it you want to make it appealing, and and I think that that part of it 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 took away a little bit of that excitement yeah. because no, yeah. you push the keeper you push the keeper up past midfield, and you're like, oh my gosh, they're leaving their goal open. So what happens if? the defense takes it and then kicks it and score that 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 could change the game entirely well, so to, uh, me, to me from because i'm a soccer coach so to me like if you decide to do something like that you can either reap the benefits or you can suffer the consequences so if you're a goalkeeper that is not good with their feet and you decide to come up, well, guess what? That's on you. Yep. I, I don't have any sympathy for you if you're foolish enough to try to come out of your goal to the point where you get caught in no man's land and you know you're not good with your feet. But look at the goalkeepers around the league that have good foot skills. You got Lemos, you got... Uh, what's his name in St. Louis? Paulo. You've got, um... Or you got, uh, Danny, Danny Waltman. I mean, Danny Waltman is, yeah, is still amazing. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm gonna say about 80% of the goalkeepers, I think, could get away with going, like, past midfield. Well, and I'll be honest with you, I think a lot of it has to do with the evolution of the game, right? Because a lot of these guys, even if they're not allowed to go beyond midfield, you still have to be good with your feet because a lot of times your defenders are going to pass you the ball because they know that you can get them out of trouble and you can start the offense the other way so it's not just a matter of hey I know how to dribble up it's a matter of hey I know how to transition from defense to offense and that's what a lot of these goalkeepers bring to the table you know because how many times have you seen a goalkeeper bail out their players because they have good foot skills I don't care how good of a defender you are if a goalkeeper has good foot skills, he'll be able to make you and get you out of trouble. I mean, I, I saw it in countless numbers of times last year, especially with guys like Paulo, who is so good with his feet, you know, Joshi, who is so good with his feet. I mean, the list goes on and on. Like you said, Danny Wolfman. I mean, Danny is extraordinary with his feet, but I think if you take that away from these guys, you're really doing more harm than you are good. Right. So for my next one, it's going to be interesting because, you know, again, we've talked about this before, but I think it's vital for the league. I I truly think you have to reevaluate the Twitch thing. And I think you have to possibly replace it with something like local TV contracts or just stick to YouTube, stick to whatever works. You know, we we can sit there and say, okay, we get it. You know, Twitch was supposed to bring you more viewers and, you know, sometimes 
It did, yada, yada, yada. We heard it all last season, but, you know, for me, stick to YouTube because people know what YouTube is, right? People know that if I log into YouTube and I type in MASL TV, guess what? The games are going to be there. But yep. now, but now with this whole Twitch thing, you know, it gets switched because some of these games are not being broadcasted on YouTube. They're only being broadcasted on Twitch. And I mean, don't get me wrong, eventually they will go to YouTube. They will be archived to YouTube. But, you know, how many people, if you did a survey, as a matter of fact, I think somebody did this survey once already. But if you did a survey and you asked most people, hey, do you prefer Twitch or YouTube? What do you think they're going to say? I, I, oh, absolutely. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I just, I just didn't get the... the. Well, I did it. I did I saw the thought process. I know they wanted to expand viewership. I know they wanted to expand, you know, their fan base. But to me, going to Twitch had the opposite effect of what they were trying to accomplish. In my eyes, I I could be completely overlooking things. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I definitely want your insight on this because I, I'm genuinely curious about what you think as well. Well, here, here's the thing. Now, the whole uh, 11 sports now, whatever, we haven't seen a schedule yet for 11 sports. So we don't know if this is going to be a thing this year. Well, it's really interesting you say that because... I don't know if you were able to read between the lines of an article that the MASL put out. I think it was at the end of that article with the whole Mississauga Rochester thing, and it said all games will be available on MASL.com and uh, MASL.tv, which is YouTube. Right. So, so it's interesting that there's no mention of eleven sports, right? So, I mean, if if we're if we're talking just Twitter or just YouTube, I think that's the way to go now, because, like you said, people are used to Twitch, or pe- people are used to YouTube. They're not used to Twitch. They're not. Correct. Like, Correct. you, you got to go through all sorts of hoops and whatnot. Well, and here's the interesting thing about the whole YouTube MASL.com thing. So is this going to be like a simulcast? Because if it's going to be available on both, does that mean it's going to be broadcasting on both at the same time? Or is it going to be archived on YouTube and live on MASL.com. I think I think with that, I think it's kind of like one in the same. I think if you go to MASL T 
TV or whatever. It's just the links to all of the games. That's that's what yeah. So yeah, that's what I thought as well. So I mean that that's a good. I think that's a good idea. I mean it's a lot better than Twitch. It's a lot better than the go live sportscast they had years ago. I, I think YouTube, it's a safe platform. People will still watch. Another thing, speaking of, so now now that we're, we're talking about this or whatever, I kind of miss the YouTube chat. Being able to chat with people during the game. Oh, yeah, no. I, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, but what was interesting is some of them had it, some of them did not. Right. And that always puzzled me because it was like, okay, what's so special about this game but not that game? Exactly. And, and I think it boils down to, like, getting people to, like, moderate the chat. Because there yeah. there were times where it was, like, a little... A little out there, a little off the the topics, whatever. I mean, I can give you a perfect example of that when, I, hell, I don't remember who they were playing, but it seemed to me I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say one hundred percent, but it seemed to me that on Super Bowl Sunday, both the commentators for Kansas City were. A little happy, just to keep it light. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yep. Yeah. In fact, I believe, if I remember correctly, and don't quote me on this because I could be wrong, but I believe one of the announcers, and it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't Nick Bastos, but the other guy, he came out and said, "Listen, I'm." Drinking, watching the Super Bowl. I, I, I'm sitting there thinking, you're supposed to be commentating on the game. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, that. <laughs> I, it was was it Jim Jim Schwab or Schwab Schwab something? Yeah, former player. That guy. He's an interesting character. I'm, I'm glad he's. I hope he comes back and does the Kansas City games this year. Um. That. That, I, I know what you're talking about, and that, you know, it's it's one thing to do, like, score updates, but when you come out and say, like, oh, I'm, I'm paying more attention to the Kansas City game than I am the Comets game, I mean. Right, I remember laughing about that, because I was like, wait, you're the, the commentators for the, uh, comments and you're paying more attention to the Chiefs. Right. Okay. So let's do a couple more just because I have one that is really, I've been saying this for years, there needs to be more knowledgeable people when it comes to the play-by-play broadcast for each of these teams. Because I believe that, you know, you look at some of these teams and you listen to these broadcasts and it's just, it's just horrendous. It's horrendous. 
especially for someone who knows the game, and you know that they're screwing up mightily, and there's nothing you can do. Or like Baltimore, for instance. First of all, I hate the commentators in Baltimore. I think they're absolutely, they're biased to their own team. And I get it. You want to support your own team. I understand that. But at the same time, as a color commentator, you cannot be that biased. You have to have some some sort of neutrality when it comes to color commentating a game. You just have to. And unfortunately, Baltimore is a prime example of it's just not there, right? And the other thing I don't like about their broadcast specifically is it's always so, so darn quiet that I have to, like, turn my TV up to 75 just to hear what they're saying. Right. I, I really, really hope they fix that issue this year because I I really did not like watching games in Baltimore just because you could not hear a darn thing they were saying except if they scored a goal. That, yeah. that's, that's the one time you could hear what they were saying. Yeah, I hope, I, I mean, yeah, th- there were there were a lot of technical difficulty issues in, yeah. in Baltimore. I mean, yeah, the, the volume thing was a huge one. I, I, I completely agree with you. And, you know, you're right to a certain extent. Like, the, the guys in Baltimore... Are, are are biased. I mean, that's that's pretty much. I think if you were to listen to a lot of these commentators, they're going to have some sort of bias. Oh, of but course. I, I I think if if someone like touches a player, they're gonna always say, "Oh my gosh, that should be a blue card. Oh my gosh, that should be a red card. Oh my gosh, that should have been a goal." Like, there's always gonna be some sort. Of bias. I mean, I kind of have to disagree with you because in the case of my two favorite commentators, you don't hear a lot of that from Tom and Art. You really don't. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Milwaukee fan, but they really try to be as neutral as they can. Do they want the Wave to win? Yes, they do. But at the same time... You know, I don't think they're that biased. I, I really don't. I mean, as a matter of fact, I can name you time after time where Artie says, hey, Milwaukee screwed up. You know, they they screwed up there. And they deserve to get punished for whatever the case is, you know. And I think for that reason, they are one of the best uh, commentating tandems in the league by far. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. Uh, those guys are, are great, and I, I love listening to them. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're the lone exception. I've heard other commentators where it's, and I'm going to say even Utica. I love the Utica commentators. I also, well, they're changing them. They're changing them this year. Wait, um, so, so the English guy or the Scottish guy, whatever nationality he is, he's not coming back? I don't know if he is. 
I know the guy that's going to be doing play-by-play, but I don't know if he's going to be with uh, the other guy. Um, Do you know if he's any good? Yes. Yes, I do. That's good. That's good. So, it's... I'm gonna I'm gonna say most of the commentators in the MASL have a a tad bit of bias. I would say hands down the, the two best the two best tandems in this league are Tom Wynn, Art Kramer, and Craig Elston and Nate Alvarez. I I don't think there is any exception to that. I think they are hands down the best color commentators in this league I truly hope they all come back you know there's you never know what's going to happen during the course of an off season but I'm from what I understand everybody's coming back so um, to me that is those are the four best color commentating people in this league now let me ask you this because this is an idea that I threw up a long time ago uh, in the MASL on the wall. For the Spanish broadcast, do you think that they should have somebody that speaks English for the games? Because I'll, I will be quite honest with you, I enjoy a lot of the Mexican broadcasts. I think Monterey is fantastic. I have no idea what they're saying. But they are hilarious. But that being said, at some at some junctions during the course of the game, I would really like to know what's being said. Well, I would like you to get out of my head because that was going to be my next one. See, this is why we do a podcast together. They need they need to have stream if you're going to televise a game if you're going to televise a game in Monterey or Sonora have some sort of there there needs to be English and Spanish they did that with the Chicago Mustangs oh yeah yeah I remember that actually the Spanish guy drove me crazy because he was ridiculously loud, but yeah, I do remember what you were talking about. So, you know, it's interesting we bring that up, because I don't know if you remember a couple years ago, I think it was the I'm not sure, yeah, I believe it was the final between Milwaukee and Monterey when Tom Wynn and Art Kramer actually went down there and did the broadcast. And I remember thinking, this is terrible because it's so unbelievably delayed. It wasn't that they didn't know what they were doing. It was just extremely delayed. Uh, yes. Yeah, I do remember. I do remember that game. Um, and I don't yeah. think that they... They weren't at the game. I think they were... Oh, no, you're right. I think they were... I Somewhere think they were, watching it. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think they were watching the broadcast and then relaying the commentary. That's what they were doing. Yeah. You are completely 100% correct. 
Yeah, but I, I think that's a huge issue. I think, you know, I've said that for years, and, you know, I I think something needs to be done, because I'll be honest with you, a lot of times I'll just watch the game on mute. That's what I'll do. I'll watch the game on mute. And, you know, it, it's just one of those things where if you don't know what they're saying, you feel like you're out of the loop. Yep. You know, you're... You feel like, okay, are they saying something good or bad? And I mean, yeah, granted, you can tell by the inflection of their voice, but I don't I don't want to have to decipher people's tone of voice while watching a soccer game. Exactly. I, 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 I really don't. All right, let's do one more, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the broadcast. Okay. So, go ahead. I'll let you go. Well, you, you stole mine. So, I mean, if you've got another one. Um, I I kind of do, and I kind of... It's just a far-fetched idea. It, it's, it's been brought up a couple of times in the MASL off the wall, but I think they really need to bring back the All-Star game in the course of the season because... I'll be honest with you. I don't know, know if you remember me telling the story about what I did in 2001, but I remember the All-Star game being in Milwaukee, and I remember thinking, wow, this is a really neat experience. And, you know, we have, we have enough international players where it could be U.S. versus Mexico or U.S. versus rest of the world, you know, and then you could have the skills competition, you know. It's just something that I really think that they need to bring back and you know, do do you think there's time in the course of the season that, you know, it's it's doable. What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, it, it's doable, but is it, like, probable? I I say no. Um, I mean, I'll put it to you this way. It's much easier to do when you're playing a 44-game season as opposed to, like, 20 games. Well, actually, I think it's what? They play 24 this year? Yeah, it's 24 this season. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so, it's, it's feasible. I mean, you could, like, cut it down the middle and do, like, have it in January or something like that. Right. Like, I could definitely right. see that. I got one more for you, because as you were talking, I just thought of it and I think you know as we know they they changed the playoff format a little bit this year to where every game is a best of three I believe yes and and what I would like to see is the finals need to be at least a full three games if not a best of five series um Granted, I understand it's all about availability and arena availability. I get that, but I don't think you should make somebody's season 
come down to a 15 minute minigame. I, ju- I, I just, I never liked the minigame aspect of things. I always thought it was a ridiculous way to end somebody's season. And you know, people will say, well, there's sudden death in football. You know, there's sudden death in uh, hockey. Well, okay, yes, there is, but. Not in the playoffs. Not in the play, exactly. That I was, that's what I was just going to say. So, why is it that we are making a whole season come down to 15 minutes of a minigame? I mean, thank God they took away the golden goal because that was even worse. That, to me, was even worse. I mean, I I get it. It's, it's all about arena space. I understand that. I really do. But as a league and as the commissioner of the league, you have to do something better. You really do. What are your thoughts? I I like I like the 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 uh, best of three, full three. Yeah. It goes back to, like, is it feasible with all of these teams that are sharing arenas with other 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 teams? I know with Utica, they they share it with the Utica Comets, and I know um, I'm sure Baltimore has it with Towson University and. Milwaukee has it with the Panthers. Yeah, so it's like it, it's great in theory, and if it, it can be executed, then absolutely. It, it's okay. just it comes down it comes down to arena availability. Okay, but to me, I understand that we we both agree that it it comes down to arena availability. But to me. Would you rather a season come down to 15 minutes or would you rather wait a couple of days? I'd rather win. And give these teams a fair chance to win. I mean, I would, yeah, I would say, I would say give it a, a couple of days. Exactly, because I, I get that the league wants the season to be done by a certain time because some of these players play outdoor. I understand that. But to me, if you have to wait one or two days, What's the difference? There's no difference. Yeah. What is a matter of 48 hours going to do to the schedule? Do you really think it's going to put it that far out of whack? Because I, I don't think so. I'm not Josh. You know, I, I, I know Josh really well. He's a good guy. But at the same time, I think... At least in terms of the finals, you have to do something better. You just do. There's no way around it. But anyway, that that's my two cents about that. Let's get into the awards because, like I told you, I don't like making this far in advance predictions, but I'm going to do it just because you wanted to. <laughs> okay. So... So, let's start out with Coach of the Year. Okay. Coach of the Year, it's it's going to come down to your your usual 
suspects. I mean, Phil Silvaggio, yeah. Danny Kelly, Giuliano, Ryan Hall. So, I mean, I, I think I'm going to throw out a wild card. I am too, so we'll see if we agree on this. I'm going to say coach of the year is going to be Clay Roberts of Florida. We do not agree with this. Okay, that that's an interesting pick. I, I think, and, and coach of the year, in my opinion, is not just record-based, but I think it's going to be like improvement over the course of the year. Yeah, you brought in yeah. everybody. But getting everybody to work together, it takes a really right. good coach. Right. So I think if Florida does what we think they're going to do, he's got to be in the running for I, I would not say we because I, I, I'm i not so run for. I mean, I think they're going to do well, but I think there's also a good chance that this could implode and... It's the laughing stock of the MBSL. Nothing against Florida. I love the guys there. I know a lot of the guys there. But there is a possibility that it just it ends up being too much too soon. Okay. That that's my opinion on it. I okay. Well here's the thing, and this may surprise you, it may not. I'm not going to give it to Phil. I'm not going to give it to Juliano. I'm not even going to give it to Ryan Hall. Well, then this podcast is over. I'm going to (laughs) give it to head coach Jimmy Nordberg in Ontario. Yep. Okay. Yep. I could also see that. Only because I believe that if he is able to get past San Diego and win that conference... And he is able to do something good in the playoffs. If he gets to the finals, which I I don't think he will, but it is a possibility. If he gets that team to the finals, there's no doubt in my mind he is coach of the year. No doubt. Because I truly believe, as much as I love San Diego, they could really struggle with the schedule that they have. They have a brutal schedule. You know, yep. it's not it's not an easy schedule outside of their conference either. So I I, I agree with you hundred percent. It's and it's and it's good that we're like not picking the usual suspects. I think I think we're kind of like thinking outside of the box. Yeah, we could have done a safe pick and done Giuliano or Phil Silvaggio or Ryan Hall or of course I hope Ryan Hall wins it. He deserves it. But yeah, he does. And you know, I hope Giuliano wins it because, you know, I think as I've said you many a times, I think Giuliano is one of those guys that he's one of the most quiet people you will ever meet in your life. But he also knows how to bring guys together and make different personalities to work and take it from somebody that coaches on a regular basis that that oftentimes get gets overlooked in a coach 
Yeah, yeah. You, you have to know. You have to know your X's. You have to know your O's. You have to know the, the ins and outs of the game. But you're also dealing with a roster full of different personalities. And if you can't bring those together, it, it makes for a long season. It really yeah. does. I, I completely agree with you. As a coach myself, I completely understand where you're coming from. Wait, hold on. I, I didn't know you were a soccer coach. Let's back up. Well, I mean, it's it's coaching like six to eight-year-olds, but I in the spring and the summer, I coached Hannah's soccer team. Well, man, listen, I mean, you and I, I just gained a lot more respect for you because, as you know, that is something I'm passionate about. I love to do it. So the fact that you do it, too, is just, that's just the icing on the cake for me. Like, you're my new best friend. Honestly, like, hey, so I gave you the list of awards that I wanted to talk about. And I have it, but I would have to go in your conversation. And I'm afraid if I do that, I'll accidentally hang up the phone. So yeah, so I, I think I remember most of them, but okay. So the, the next one was MVP. Okay, do you want to save MVP for last, or do you want to do it now? We can do it last if you want to do it last. Yeah, we'll do it last. Okay, we'll do that last. Let's do most goals. So, that's tough. Um, well, you think about it. I don't I actually, I I actually don't. wrote about this. I actually wrote about this in an article I did uh, for Turf and Boards. I okay. think you, you, you've got your, your, your Frank Tayu, your Ian Bennett. I mean, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to be in the running. My vote this year is going to be for Nick Pereira. I think you're going to see Tacoma rely more on him to get well, to get into the playoffs. So, and I think he's going to be heavily relied on. So, I think he's going to have more opportunities at goals. Well, so here's the thing: I remember how they played in the playoffs against San Diego. And I remember thinking, why is Nick Pereira on the yellow line? He he should be in the box like a center for basketball. And I think you're going to see a lot of that this season. I think he's going to use his size to his, his advantage. You're going to see a lot of the same stuff with fancy footwork and getting the ball where it needs to go and I, I agree with you. I think he's going to have a breakout year. I, I don't think he has the most the most though. I gotta give it to my buddy Craig Child. Okay. I gotta do it. I, I love Craig and I think just like Nick, they're going to rely a lot on Craig. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I, I believe that they, it's interesting because they have talent up and down they can score, but Craig Childs is kind of your X Factor in San Diego. I don't care how many people you have down there that can score. 
he's the guy that's going to win games for you. That's just the way it is. So I think he's going to get it. If I had to make a second choice, I would have to take Ian Bennett. Uh, that would be my second yeah. choice. I, I think that would be a safe a safe bet, having him to be like a second choice. I mean, you could look at like yeah. you could look at Frank Tayu. You could look at Vinny Dantas. You could, I mean, you could look a number of yeah. different ways. Let's not forget about Andrew Hoxie. You know, he's going to be another guy that scores a lot of goals. I think he did. He did turn it um, out in the playoffs last season. I will give him that, but probably, I, I don't know. Probably. Uh, I, I see if if Balt, Baltimore is not known to to be very offensive. So I, I don't no, they, I they don't are. see and, and that's the thing with with the teams like Baltimore and Utica, they're not like flashy in the stats. Like they're not really like you don't yeah, see them no. in the top they, ten in goals and points and assists. It's just top to bottom, they are they're solid. They they are the two teams that they will lull you to sleep. And I mean that in the best way possible. Because they will possess the ball and they will take their opportunities when they come. And when they lose the ball, they'll get back on defense. Yep. So, you know, and I, I think that's what made Milwaukee so special is because you talked to Juliano last year and he'll be the first to tell you, hey, we know we can score goals. We know that. But we have to get better defensively. And they did. They played remarkable defense last season. And I think that's a big reason why they won the yep. championship. So, yeah, I think Craig is going to win the goal scoring titles. Um, what about this? Let's. I don't think we mentioned this. What about total points? Okay. Uh, I yeah, mean, I know. Nick Pereira, I think Nick Pereira won it last year, and I, I could yes. I could see him winning it again. But I'm going to pick someone completely different. I'm I'm going to stay in Milwaukee, and I'm going to take Max Ferdinand. Oh, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> okay, coming from a guy who loves Max, coming from a guy that, you know, knows what Max is capable of, you know, he would have to do a lot more scoring than well, he does. He's he's definitely capable of doing it, and I... He is, but I'll be honest with you, I can't tell you how many times I sat in the locker room and I said, Max... Shoot the damn ball, man. Like, I know you can pass, but if you have a shot that you can take, use it because you have the capability of scoring. Like, it's often, like, it seems as though there's more times than not where he tries to find the pass more than he takes on the shot. And that's good. That's fine. But I just... Sometimes you just got to... Yeah, and I think think teams are... I mean, Milwaukee won last year, so all the teams are going to try and, like, pick apart Milwaukee. And and they know 
Max Ferdinand is like a pass first kind of guy. And I think to kind of like yeah. offset that, I think he's going to like take maybe an uptick, maybe more, more shots on goal. Well, and to me, maybe it's just the coach in me, but like, if I see that Max Ferdinand has the ball, first thing I do is clog those passing lanes. That's the first thing I do. You don't play Max Ferdinand man to man. You just don't do it. Because, you know, he, he'll he find that pass if you play him man to man. But if you take away the space for him to find the open guy, it's not rocket science. I mean, it's really not. I, um, Alright, so for my pick, this is tough, right? Because I, I think Frank is going to have a great year in Ontario, but I don't think you'll see him score as much as he did in Monterey last season just because he does have uh, Jermaine Jones with him. He does have Uzi. And so I, I can't give it to Frank as much as I want to. I hate to say it, but I'm going to go back to my buddy Craig. I I really think he... I'll be honest with you. I think San Diego wins the title this year, and I think he is a big reason why. Of course. I mean, San Diego and Craig Charles are, like, synonymous. So, I mean, it's... it's... Yeah. In order for San Diego to win the championship this year, I, I think they are going to have to rely on Craig a little more, but not too, too much. Because, I mean, they do still have a lot of their players. Oh, I absolutely. Mean, you got guys like, you got guys like Slav. You got guys like Pino. You got guys like uh, uh, Contreras. I mean, the list goes right. on and on. So, I mean, it's it can be San Diego's year, and I think if it is to be their year, I, I think you'll see Craig have an MVP type season. I'll be honest with you, I would not be sad if if San Diego won. The only way I would be sad if it if it was against Milwaukee. That would be the only reason I would get upset about it. But other than that, hey, if they win number 15, guess what? They deserve to win. Well, they're not They're not winning against Utica. So, they're... Well, <laughs> I, I don't know, buddy. I don't know. Well, Alright, so what's the next one you uh, want to do? Uh, we got goalie. Goalie of the year. You know... That's going to be an interesting one for me because I, I I think, and this might surprise you a little bit, probably not though, but I think if he stays healthy, Josh Lemos could be the goalkeeper of the year. And let me tell you why I say that. I say that because, as you've said, Milwaukee's going to be the ones that have the target on their back. Well, how do you beat Milwaukee? You scored more goals than them. So, the one guy that's going to have to do a lot of work is going to be Josh. 
And we said it last night. If Josh doesn't get hurt throughout the course of the season, last season, he is very well in the running for goalkeeper of the year last season. I highly, I, I completely agree with you. And and you're you're gonna, you, you might want to want to just listen real quick because you and I agree on this. I'm taking Josh Lemos as well. Really? Yeah. Okay. Hey. So, I mean, geez, he went, was he 15-0 and 0 last year? I mean, he was undefeated. Yeah. So, if if you were to take, put him into the games where they, they, they lost, I mean, I, I think if you put him in a 24-game season and he plays 22 of those games, like, the sky's the limit for him. I mean, 20 and 2, oh, yeah, 19 and 3, yeah, like, yeah. he's a beast. I mean, I, I have the utmost, I have the utmost know, respect for Josh Lemos. You know, here's the thing, though, right? and it's not just last season, it's been the last couple of years where his health has eluded him. And unfortunately, when you miss games, in the MSL, your record doesn't matter because there's somebody that played more than you. And that's unfortunately what happened with Dodge last season. I mean, if if Dodge doesn't win the award, I'll be honest with you, I, I would probably give it to William Venzella just because I think, I don't know, I, you know, it comes down to three people for me, right? It comes down to Josh Lemos, William Vizella, and Boris Pardo. Because we both talked about how the schedule for San Diego is going to be pretty brutal, even outside of that Western Conference. So, for me, he has to do well in order for San Diego to be there at the end. Because it's not like you're facing teams like Turlock. Yeah, you play Turlock, but you also play Milwaukee. You also play Baltimore. You know, so if he doesn't do well, I I just, I don't see San Diego being where they were last year. Right. And and I, I think this season, and, and we kind of talked about this the other day, I think we're going to see more teams implementing two goalies. So a record a record well, of like, like 15 said. and 0 this year is going to go a lot further yeah. than it did last year. Oh, so absolutely. I'm going to throw okay, you well, threw a couple names out there. So I'm going to throw two more out there. I'm going to go one in the east and one in the west. I'm going to say for okay. the west Diego or uh Diego Reynoso out of Monterey. Wow. I'm going to say he could be in the running for goalie of the year. Well, and you know, I, I think he, he you're going to see him play with a chip on his shoulder just because of what happened in the finals. He did not play well in the finals. No. And, and, and I think he'll he'll 
that'll add fuel to the fire. And he'll be one of the main reasons why Monterey will do well this season. Like, I mean, yeah, you lost the Taiyu brothers and, and you've lost a couple other components. So where does that leave you? I mean, so I I think they're going to have to put all of the, not all of the pressure, but some of the pressure is going to be on him and, and he'll be a reason why they're in the playoffs. And I'm not just saying this to butter you up, but like I think if Utica does well, I think um, a big reason for that is Andrew Coughlin as well. So if you see Utica in there at the end, I think you got to put him in there too. Well, my goalie in the East is Utica City's Andrew Coughlin. That's where I was going with that. My goodness, man, we've worked together for too long yeah, I know. already. I, I, can read I mean, Andrew's been a beast in that net for the last three years. Ever since he took over yeah. for Brian O'Quinn in Syracuse, he's he's put in a lot of work. He is, I mean, he's been in goal yeah. for the entire, like, he was in all 22 games last year in Utica, including the playoffs. Yeah. The year before that, he was in goal for Syracuse. So, with with yeah. Matt Perella as the backup, Andrew's going to have a little more time to rest. And it was it was kind of it was right. kind of funny at the at the game on Sunday because our our seats are right next to the bench, so it was Hannah and I, and then like right. across the glass was Andrew Coughlin, and he's barking out orders, and it's just like we don't get to see this because he's always in net. There's never been like a reliable right. backup keeper in Utica, so I, I think but, I think with the added yeah. rest and the softer out of conference schedule, I, I yeah. think Utica will have a better record, and I think it, it'll it'll no, I, it'll yeah, be no, his, he'll be a reason why. Well, and, you know, we, we talked about it last night, too, of how important your backup goalkeepers are going to be this season. Because, like you said last night, there is not an option of, hey, I'm not going to dress my backup goalkeeper. Because there are going to be instances where you play back-to-back games. So, I think... You're right. I think you're going to see it across the NASL where a lot of these primary goalkeepers have better years because they don't have to play as much as they would if you only dressed one keeper. Right. All right, buddy, what's next? Um, I think Defender. Did we have Defender of the Year? We did not do that okay. one Okay, so we'll do that one. I, I I genuinely want to know are are you going to make Toby the defender of the year no. again? I I, I genuinely want no. to know. No, I'm I'm surprised. I am not going to take Darren Toby this year. Although Darren Toby has deserved it for like the last three years and was completely overlooked. And last year he got it. I think it was well overdue. Um, I completely agree. But 
no, Darren Tovey is not going to win Defender of the Year. So who's your pick? I'm going to go with his line mate, Jake Schindler. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I, I, I you should have. Um, no, Jake. I mean, he... was in Rochester just just a beast defensively and then he came over to Syracuse and I'm like this is one of the best signings Syracuse has ever had and he played I mean he played for let, let's just review what he did last season he played for the Lancers in M2 played in right. Utica right then in the playoffs if you know this so M2 they had their finals out in Ontario, California. So, so right. they played there. And they lost. And then I want to say they played yeah, the third place game the next day. Then hopped on a flight, flew to Utica, and then played in... I want to say it was the season finale against Baltimore. Like, within three days. Yeah, I mean, it, their schedule was... It was pretty crazy. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, the guy is, like, just eats and breathes soccer. And, and I think you'll see that again this year. And I think... I think you'll see more of an offensive... He's mostly defensive, and I think you'll see him. I mean, he scored a goal on Sunday, so he's he's pushing up the field more, which which gives him more opportunity to score. So I think he is definitely in the running for Defender of the Year. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I think he's definitely in the running, and again, just like I said with Andrew Crawford, I think if. Schindler has a good year. He, you are absolutely correct. I think he's right there in the end. So, all right. Well, my pick might or may not surprise you. I'm gonna give you two options here. Um, my my pick to win once he gets healthy is Adriano Del Santos. Okay. I I don't know when he's coming back. Like. My pick might change depending on when. Well, he comes should back. be back after the Beach World Cup. He's playing in the, the Beach World Cup, so right. he's so, he's perfectly fine. Yeah. So, so that being said, I think I think once he gets to Baltimore and he settles back into the role of okay, I mean, he's back in indoor now. I think it's going to make a huge difference. I think, especially again, we—I've been saying this for all these guys, but it's true. If if they're able to make a run, I think he's going to be a big reason why defensively. Um, it's either going to be him or Pino from San Diego. I could see. I could see either one so, of those. I could also see. Uh, Cesar Cerda, he was he was in the running for Defender of the Year last year as well, if I remember correctly. 
Here's the interesting thing. Okay, I'm going to throw this name out here. And your jaw might drop a little bit, but I'm going to throw him out here as a wild card. I have to put Drew Ruggles in there. I thought you were going to go Drew Ruggles first. No, but I, 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 I do think if Florida is able to put all the pieces together and you see games where they're winning games like three to two, four to three, five to four, stuff like that, I think you're going to see Drew's name on the stand sheet over and over again. And I, I love Drew, and Drew's one of the funniest guys you will ever meet in your life. I, I've talked to him numerous times in the way locker room, and he's just the funniest guy you will ever meet in your, in your life, and you wouldn't think of it because... You know, he, he gets on the field and he's like a runaway train. So it's like, it's two different personalities. But I think if they do well, he's going to be a big reason why. With, with Florida, I'm going to play devil's advocate for one second. I don't think he'll win because I think Florida's mentality this season is they're going to like, win games. We want to score They're going to win games like 9-7 and 10-8. Like they're going to be shootouts. Like I don't I don't right. see them having like low scoring games. Because they have so much they have but... so much offensive firepower. So I I don't I don't see them having Yeah. And plus nothing against Hugo Silva and and Heiner House, but I don't know. Hugo Silva hasn't really impressed me. He didn't really impress me last year in Florida. Uh, it was... He makes a lot of he makes a lot of silly mistakes that he certainly should not make. I mean, there there were many times where I watched him last season, and I'm like, how did you not make that save? Like it was right yeah, there. So I, I I don't know like. I, I think you're going to see Florida get get games like if they score 10 goals don't be surprised well I think it's going to go one of two ways either it's going to be a defensive shootout or it's going to be an offensive shootout but I mean if if you're winning games by two, two goals you still have to have a good effort defensively to maintain that lead to win games. So I I, I do think even though they, they might be high scoring games, that you know I look at it from the perspective of okay, it was a high scoring game, but we maintained the lead and we we won the game. Right. You know that's the other way I look at it. What's next? Uh we did coach. We did. Goalie, defender, rookie. We didn't know any, so we're kind of good. Yeah, uh, r- yeah, no. Um, I think it's just MVP now. No, we got comeback player of the year. Oh, okay. Um, and, and I honestly, I'll give you mine first because I think, hands down, he wins this award. I, I have to give it to my buddy Marcus Jordan. Uh, Marcus, you know, 
I don't know if you watched the playoff series with Ontario and San Diego, but he had that really gruesome the leg injury. injury. Yep. And had, yeah, and he had a phenomenal season, and I, I truly think he's going to come back better than ever, and I think he hands down wins that award. Easy. I don't think there's any question. I can't think of any other person coming back from anything like that. I mean, that's just... I remember watching that game. I mean, that, like... It sticks It sticks in your head. And if he comes back better than ever, then yeah, give him... Uh, that's a definite comeback of the year. Well, I'll be honest with you. When I first saw the injury, I had no idea what happened. Because the... the, the what's the word I'm looking for, the angle that they showed. It didn't show what exactly happened. I, I just saw him go into the boards. I thought it was a regular knee injury or something. And then they brought out the stretcher and I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is much more serious than I thought it was. So I talked to him a couple of days after the injury because we're actually friends on Facebook and he's like, yeah, it's going to be a long recovery, but I'll be ready for the season. And he has a really good mentality going into the season. I think he's ready to go. I think he has something to prove because I think, you know, you don't want to get injured at all, but to get injured in that crucial of a game, yep. it's, it's tough. It's really tough yeah. to, watch, to not even know what happens because you have to go to the hospital. Yeah. Well, now, now that I'm thinking of it, there are two other guys that I, I think could be in that same category. Um, one of them is unsigned, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did sign with his old team. I'm going to say Lucas Roquet um, from Baltimore. Nice. And I'm also going to say Daniel Peruzzi from Baltimore. Um, Peruzzi was injured in the first game of the season in Utica against Utica, obviously, and was out for the whole season. Now he was a a main part of that, that offense. And uh, he was a huge part. So I could see, I could see him maybe scoring like 15 goals, 10 assists, something like that. and, And being in the running for that. And, with Roquet, I, I don't know what, from what I've been reading and what I've seen is he's actually going to be at the World Cup, the Beach World Cup as well. Um, well, and, you know, it's interesting because had Tenzin Rabba come back, I would have given it to him. But after the retirement, obviously, I can't. But I think had he come back, I think he would have made a huge difference on that defensive back line for the wave and you know it's unfortunate that he made the decision not to come back I think it was just one of those things where he might not have been completely healthy yet and he just decided that was time I I don't know I don't know the whole story of it but to me it was out of the blue because I thought he was healthy. I thought he was ready to go. And then all of a sudden it was like, I'm retiring. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Um, 
Well, buddy, we got one more left, and it's the biggest one of all. All right, MVP. Um, so in in my article, I did. I I gave out three names, and I'm gonna stick to those. Um, I believe I said Tony Donatelli from the Baltimore Blast. Um, I, I yeah. think if if you were to to uh, ask me what. Baltimore, how Baltimore plays. I think it goes around Tony Donatelli. He is just he's, he's a, a jack of all, he's he's a jack of all trades. And it pains me to say that being a Utica fan. But I enjoy watching Tony Donatelli play. And you know what's even more amazing is the guy has been around for a long time. I remember watching him I believe he played in Philadelphia. Uh years ago I believe he played in Philadelphia and the guy the guy is unbelievable he's just unbelievable um who else did I have did I have I think I might have had Ian Bennett of course you gotta have you you gotta have Ian Bennett in in yes um and I think I had Pereira so now now that I'm thinking of it, I think I, I'm going to give it, I think I'm going to give it to Ian Bennett. I think, I mean, he should have won it last season. Oh, yeah, he should have. Unfortunately, he got injured for a period of time. Yeah, so. he did. Um, so I think, I think he comes back and I think... He will be the MVP this season, um, but I mean, you could you could go down a list of like 10, 10 guys right now. Yeah, that I mean, it, it, it's could be in the running. You could make paces for yeah, all. Yeah, it's a cra- it's a crapshoot for a lot of players right now. Absolutely. Uh, I'll be honest with you, my pick is definitely, without a doubt, going to to surprise you. I guarantee it. Okay. And I, I know you don't get surprised very easily, but this one, I think I All got right. you. My MVP is Jermaine Jones from Ontario. That, that is my MVP, and I'll tell you okay. why. Because I, I think people are... People are familiar with Frank Tyne. They know that they have to watch him like Hawk. And I don't think you're going to see him get as many scoring chances as everybody thinks he'll get. Yes, he got them in Monterey. I understand that. But I think people know that they have to defend. And I think they will. And guess who that leaves open to score goals? Uh, Chris Toth. Well, yes, there is okay. that, but no, I, I, you know, I think Jermaine has a breakout year. I think what he did for Ontario last I mean, he year, came in like three quarters of the way through the season and, and put up like thirteen points. So, I mean, yeah, put that into a twenty-four game schedule, and you're looking at easily like 60 to 65 points so yeah yeah, of yeah course he's gonna, exactly. 
you can yeah, that's that's another guy. I mean, he's going to be in that mix of ten people where you could and say, yeah. okay, well, he's going to do it because everyone's going to focus their attention on person A, and and Jermaine Jones is definitely um, definitely a, a viable candidate for MVP. So, you know, the interesting thing, I remember Jermaine coming into the league just like I remember Landon coming into the league and, and with both of them, I remember thinking, okay, they're outdoor soccer stars. How are they going to acclimate to the indoor game? And, you know, as much as I didn't like the whole Landon thing, he did really well. I mean... Yes, I don't like the fact that he decided when he was going to play and when he wasn't going to play. I didn't like the fact that he demanded more money and San Diego basically laughed at him. And, you know, I I didn't like the stuff going around, the things that were happening with him. But at the end of the day, he did pretty well. That being said, you know, I don't think he would have had the production that Jermaine had if they were to play all the season. And I remember thinking, it seems like Jermaine has played indoor before. Like, you would have thought he was a 10-year veteran of this right. game. It was just, it was remarkable to watch. And that was one guy that I thought, okay, you know, this is one guy that I really want to come back. I really want him to come back because I think he's going to be a big difference for uh, Ontario. And I and I think I don't think it's just going to stop in Ontario. I think he's going to be a huge difference in the MASL as a whole. Oh, because absolutely. people are going to see Jermaine Jones is. I, I hope he plays in Turlock, like. Like, I made this argument before. Like, what if Landon does in Turlock? Like, you're you're helping the MASL as a whole. You're not just sitting there stuffing your pockets. You're you're helping promote a sport. Well, I can tell you Jermaine Jones did not get 250 or whatever it was for those 13 games. What was it like? I believe it. I, I, if I remember, it was a lot yeah. of money. Yeah. So I, I think the the Jermaine Jones signing is huge, not just for Ontario, but the league as a whole. Were you surprised that he made the decision to come back? Well, as as a fan of of the sport, I, I think he didn't really prove himself. Like a lot. Right. Like he came in like three quarters of the way through, and they fell short. And I, I think he right. wants to get a taste of what the playoffs would be. Yeah, he's he's been a part of the the U.S. men's national team for however long. And he's he's been to the World Cup and stuff like that. I think he wants to experience like more of the MASL, and I'm I'm glad he signed. Well. And I'll be honest with you, the biggest difference that I feel 
between Landon Donovan and Jermaine Jones was Landon did it just to do it, right? He did it to say, okay, I'm going to go play indoor soccer, right? That's why I said to you, that was so out of left field that it was ridiculous. And, um, you know, people could say it was about helping San Diego win a championship. And don't get me wrong, he would have been helpful to them had they won the championship. But that being said, I think Ontario signed Jermaine Jones because they genuinely wanted to bring in a piece that was going to make a big difference. And, you know, obviously this was before the signing of the King, but I I think you put the King and Jermaine together, it's going to be one of the best duos that you're going to see. Arguably, I think that might be a better tandem than Ian and Max. Arguably. Well, I mean, I think... I mean, it, it all boils... It all, it'll all boil down to chemistry. And Max and Ian have been together for a little while, so they've, they've got the one-up on that. Uh, no, I agree. I agree. But on, I mean, but on paper... I mean, you could you could look at like Max and Ian, Jermaine and Frank Tayu, uh, Craig Childs and any anyone. Um, yeah, Vinny Dantas and Tony Dantelli. You got to throw them in the mix too. Absolutely. I mean, I I think that it's. I I told you this before. I said I really hope that somehow this encourages other people to come into the league because we've had three big names come into the league in the last three years. Excuse me, four big names come into the league in the last two years. And three of those people came back. So, no, I'm sorry. Two of those people came back. Because you had the guy from... uh, uh, Mississauga, which for the life of me, I can't think of his name for some reason. Well, Mo, Mo Babuli was the, uh, he came back. Um, no, but it was, it was some other well, guy. Well, Rosario. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Yep. Um, um, you had, you have Jermaine Jones, obviously, who, who's coming back. You know, you had Landon Donovan, who we know isn't coming back because he has the outdoor team in California. And then you have Cody Ellis, who not very many people talk Kevin about. Kevin Ellis. But Cody, Cody uh, Ellis plays yeah. more. No, yeah, I, I know. I, yes, I know. <laughs> I know. Thank you. Yes. So, you know, it, it's he was another guy that, you know, quietly had a really good season last year. So, I, you know, and he resigned. So, out of those two guys, I think you're going to see good years out of both. I I completely agree with you. Uh, I I can't I can't wait to see what Jermaine does in a 24 game schedule. Yeah, it's going to be pretty amazing to watch. To be honest with you, and I think you know if. 
if Ontario has a good year, it's going to be for that reason. I think if Jermaine has a good year, Ontario has a good year. Just like you said, if Jake has a good year for Utica, um, you know, Utica is going to have a good year. And I, you know, I, I can't, I can't be remiss to remind you, but we're less than like 40 hours, 40 hours away from the beginning of the season. So, hey man, it's about time. Yeah. It's about time. Yeah, two days, two days from now, I'll either be celebrating really, really hard or I'll be in bed. Yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be a tough one for you to talk about going into the next week if they lose both of them. They're not going to lose both of them. I can, I can guarantee that. Never make guarantees, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, listen, it's been fun. It's been a fun. If you could believe it, we've been on air for an hour and a half. Oh my goodness. But, uh, hey man, it's been fun. I always have fun with you. Have fun with those two games with you, because I'll be watching just like you. Well, I'm sure we'll be, I'm I'm sure we'll talk throughout the game. Oh, absolutely. You and I, you and I will be having conversations and taking notes for the following week's episodes for sure. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Well, you take it easy. It's been fun. And I will catch you next week for the recaps. All right. Sounds good. All right, bud. Take care. See ya. Bye.